Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Life. What's up, friends, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm Frankie. And I'm Alex. And together we are FNA Van Life. This is the podcast where every week we bring you news from the nomad community or talk with a fellow nomad to show you what it's like to really live life on the road. This week we have an amazing guest. He's from Solid Woodworks and he's also representing Sandy Vans. His name is Brian. We randomly met him while going to check out a surf competition down in Baja, California. We were over by the East Cape. And it was absolutely gorgeous there. Yeah, Brian and his girlfriend love to surf. And so they were at the surf competition. They were also down there for a wedding. They made this whole trip to like drive all the way to Cabo to surf and go to this wedding. And I think it's really cool when people, you know, he's not necessarily full time in the van, but he has been full time in the van. But now he's, you know, full time working on this business that he's got going. So we're going to get into that. But I just want to say that no matter how you live van life, whether it's full-time, part-time, a little bit of time, holiday time, that you're still part of the community and we love you just the same. I think all it means is that you have that nomadic spirit and you want to travel, you want to see new places, you want to be in the comfort of your own home at the same time. And, you know, rightfully so. I love being able to go on a hike and come back and bam, I'm in my van I love or my house. I love to go to surf and then get back in the house and be able to take a shower. I love to be able to do all these things at my fingertips. You don't have to commute more than five minutes once you're in the spot. You know, you could commute, you could commute literally the walk back to your van. Yeah. And it's really nice to be able to, you know, talk with people who understand some of the same challenges that we face living in a vehicle. I think that it's been actually a lot easier to do van life in Mexico than I thought it was going to be in terms of like, finding places to camp. And, you know, there's a lot of cities in the United States, which later this month, I've got some news articles uh, that we're going to go through that are really making it hard for van lifers out there. So obviously, there's places that are still very van friendly, but there's definitely, you know, more places on the list that are locking down. You could definitely see the shift happening of, you know, people trying to keep, you know, vanners or... I think a lot of it's more for like the homeless population. Uh, but yeah, vanners, they're trying to keep out of their cities in the sense of living in a van. They don't want people staying outside their house. I don't know how we kind of diffuse this situation, but if there's some ideas that you guys may have that you think might help these situations, maybe let us know in the comments, shoot us a DM, and maybe we could talk about it on the podcast together. Well, I think it's really funny because we recently put up a post where you know, we had been parking in this neighborhood. And when I say neighborhood, let me explain. It was a very busy neighborhood with literally, it was like a row of multifamily houses on one side, a row of multifamily houses on the other side. And in the middle of the, you know, two-way street was a double-sided parking 
situation. The reason why the double-sided parking is there where you would like back into it or front into it is actually for the beach area. Not only is it for the beach area, but at the same time, the people that live there don't park in these spots. They actually park in front of their houses or pull into their driveway or they have a garage where they park their, their vehicles. And you can see that, you know, so for them to say that, you know, oh, well, you're taking up the people's parking there. No, it's actually public parking. Okay, but so here's the thing. There's also bathrooms in the parking area. Anyways, it's like very public. And so somebody in the neighborhood doesn't like vans. And so they left a note on our vehicle that said, like, you know, you can't park here. You've been added to our registry. If you park here again, like, you're in trouble. We're going to call the cops and you're going to get towed. And so I made a little TikTok about it. And perhaps that my saying that we were parked in a neighborhood upset a lot of people because I didn't elaborate in my 60 second TikTok what kind of a neighborhood. And I think when you hear neighborhood, depending on where you live or where you're from, you might think, you know, you know, single family home, white picket fence, you know, big space between the houses, no cars on the street. Or even no space between the houses, but all the cars on the street are the ones that are parked there that live there. You know, so you're thinking of this neighborhood that is properly set up for the people that live there and not necessarily add in people from elsewhere that are staying in vehicles. Sure. And I think that, you know, we've stayed in a lot of neighborhoods where there's a ton of vehicles parked on the street and it's just commonplace, like whether it's a bigger city, whether it's, you know, a college town, whatever, like people are used to seeing cars on the street. They don't look at those cars as a threat. Right. But if you live in like a suburban, you know, very quiet place, you see a random car parked on the street that you've never seen before on a neighborhood where no cars park on the street. And yeah, you're going to be a little bit wondering who's that car. But that was not the situation. Who's that guy? <laughs> the man on the cycle? Ridiculous. So anyways, a large percentage of the comments are like, I wouldn't want you in my neighborhood and you would terrify me and you would make it so scary for my kids to live and I would call the cops on you and like really not nice. And I totally understand that people don't know who those people might be. But why can't we be a little bit more open-minded and maybe say hi or ask the, you know, and I can understand if somebody comes and parks overnight and leaves early in the morning. Or is doing something no really reason. creepy. Yeah. Like if you're sitting outside your van, like fiddling your junk, like, yeah, call the cops. That person's nuts. One thing that we always used to do is we used to have like our information on our van. And I think that definitely helped us out a little bit. But then even having the information on the van, we've been, you know, put into an email with the council of the city and uh, in a place that's actually supposed to be very van friendly, as well as just friendly towards people who are less fortunate as well, you know, but yet once again, we made it into their database too. And like, once again, we're, we're okay with it. We know that it's going to be part of the lifestyle that we're living, but how do we come to like a good term with these people that feel this way? And I think a lot of these people are actually, uh, I hate to say it, but more of like the liberal style people that wind up being so scared of other people, where I think that that's supposed to be like, you're going to want to help each other. No, I don't know. Do you think the liberal style people were the ones 
you know, offering to shoot us if they saw us on their property. No, that was different though. That was on TikTok. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like the one who put the the letter on our van. I feel like there's a very good possibility that they might have been uh, somebody who's like okay with a lot of different things, but for whatever reason, the this area does get picked up by like a lot of different vans or box trucks and like you when we went there we went there one night left and then when we came back we did see kind of the same vehicles in the area as well so i feel like a lot of people might lurk in this area for a bit longer than maybe what they should but the gas crisis nowadays is probably making people stay especially put even in California. Longer. oh yeah but so anyways i think the big thing is that People love van life and they see the content and they love the vans and they think it's so beautiful and cool as long as you're not parking in their neighborhood, I think is what it comes down to. It's like top five ways to stay cool in the summer living in a vehicle. Wow. High five. Great content. Top five ways to stay cool living in a vehicle parked in somebody's residential neighborhood. Fuck you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. You know, there is a there is a difference between it. But then at the same time, if they're taking away all these different places that we can park, you know, legally and or, you know, away from the houses, then what happens? Then we get pushed into the cities more. Well, or you get pushed into the RV park, which was a lot of the comments was basically like you should stay at a paid RV site. But what is the difference between the paid RV site and parking in the middle of nowhere where it's free? Right. I, I'm on board with free camping. I know. I'm asking the audience, you know, like, what what do you guys think the difference is? Let us know. Uh, we want to understand. I know that there's several things that I could think of right off the rip. And one would be is like access to electrical, you know, and uh, access to a Sewage. flushable toilet. Yeah. yeah. And maybe those things I totally understand. But we have we have a you know, a bathroom that we use inside the van and we oh. don't, and we don't dispose of it in, improperly. You know, we, we take out the bag and throw it out rather than throwing it on the street. Oh so like another one of the things is that you, if you're out there listening to this and you are one of the people that, you know, possibly don't clean up properly after yourself and whatnot, please do us a favor and, and clean up after yourself. So that way we don't create this bad image of what van life is or RV life or nomadic living. Yeah. Well, one of the comments was so funny. The guy was like, oh yeah, you're going to sleep in my neighborhood. And then when you wake up in the morning, you're going to hide behind my bushes and take a dump. Yeah. And I was like, I have a toilet. Yeah. Like, why would I need to go use your bush in a residential neighborhood you know, it's like, it's one thing to be out in the middle of the forest and you dig a hole and you're safe and you're, you know, mm -hmm. leave no trace and whatever. But like, nobody is going, taking a dump on the Joneses front yard. No, not at all. I don't know who is seeing this. If somebody's doing that, they're in a world of hurt and pain and are probably not in a very good place. Or and, are like on some kind of, yeah. you know, drugs or having some kind of mental issue. I mean, this type of stuff happens in the cities all the time and it's more due to either like somebody being way too drunk or on drugs or homeless or something along those lines that might create this but not all homeless people do this you know not but all i saw it in new york i was walking to yeah. work in new york city and literally turned to my right and there was a guy taking a dump on a building and at the time when we lived there this is a city with quite a bit of rules oh yeah you know, it, like 
these rules aren't going to stop people from doing certain things, but... That guy did not live in a van. No, he did not. No. And, I, you know, to get... Let's get away from this topic a little bit. Because, <laughs> Sorry, I get so heated about yeah, it. But I, I just think that there's a way to come to a, a common understanding that, like, living this lifestyle is actually a good thing. And that, you know, you don't have to be afraid of it if you are in a, you know, normal house sitting setting. And, you know, the argument of, like, oh, you're going to depreciate the value of the home is a complete bullshit lie. Um you know, the fact that people say that is kind of like a way to drive people out and like get other people in the community riled up. Because realistically, we parked in front of my sister's house for 50 days and it didn't depreciate their value of their house. They if sold anything, that house for like a They sold bank. it for double the amount of what they bought it for. So two years later, the fact that people say, oh, a van being in front of the houses or a couple vans in the neighborhood, because they definitely had a few vans in the neighborhood is going to depreciate the value is fucking bogus wow we need to stop cursing so much i mean but anyways it's, we're riled up this yeah. is obviously a topic that gets our blood boiling because as people who live the lifestyle full time it's really hard when you see these different communities cracking down on it but i think that the way that brian and sandy vans is going about it building awesome rigs for people to get out there and enjoy more like the weekender kind of people but now he's transitioning more into a build that would be for a full-time liver. Either way, Brian's got tons of tips on how to build vans right, what to look out for if you're building your own van, and what to look out for if you're looking to have somebody else build your van as well. Mm -hmm. So let's get right into this conversation. We got Brian from Solid Woodworks. Uh, we're really excited to talk to you, bro. We got to meet you over in La Fortuna, and uh, there was like a big surf competition going on over there. You were over there with your, your girl and your van. And we want to get to know you a little bit more. Tell us about you and how you got into van life. Yeah, yeah. It was super fun to meet you guys and uh, kind of just randomly parked next to each other and peeked in each other's vans. It's like, what do you got? What do you got? You know, and it's pretty fun, especially down in Baja to kind of meet all these people. And there's a bunch of people converging from a lot of different places in the world, you know. Um, but yeah, I was born and raised pretty much a carpenter. My dad is a contractor. So he, you know, remodels and builds homes here in Huntington Beach, Orange County area of California, Southern California. And just my whole life, we just always had a wood shop in our garage. And I was always the kid building the skate ramps for all my friends and had the coolest school projects, you know, because I always build the coolest mission or all whatever projects we had, you know, so it was just always in my blood in a way, you know, and my dad got into woodworking through, um, his dad a little bit and then just really just enjoyed like some school projects and just kind of kept going with it, you know, from a framer to a cabinet maker to a contractor and just kind of worked his way up and has owned his own business for 35 years now. So I kind of just worked my way up uh, working with him and just doing all kinds of projects with him, installing windows when I was a kid, working on our own house, going to his job sites after school. And then um, when I graduated high school, I started working at his company um, called Huntington Beach Cabinets and Remodeling and just learned how to build custom cabinetry and install it and, a little bit of drywall, a little electrical, a little bit of plumbing, everything. So that was just really handy um, now later in life building vans because I just got a little bit of everything, a taste of everything, and at least a little bit of knowledge of every little piece of how to build a house, which a van is pretty much a small house. So when things got a little slow back in maybe 2016 or so with his company, I took on little side projects of building things for neighbors. And then some friends just brought me a Toyota Tacoma. I was like, hey, can you put like a drawer in the back so I can put my surfboard under it and I can go camping? I'm like, yeah, sure. Like, I can easily do that. That's, you know, no problem compared to building a house full of cabinets, you know? And then a friend brought me a van and I kind of like was always interested in YouTube and put some of the videos of me traveling up there. And um, 
yeah, kind of just put a couple of videos up there and people just started going crazy. Nobody's really putting videos of van builds and how to build van videos, you know, back in 15, 16, 2015, 2016. So it kind of just blew up from there and just put out an email address and uh, just started getting all kinds of calls. And, you know, five, six years later, still kind of doing it. And uh, it's kind of morphed into a couple of different businesses, you know, solid woodworks and sandy vans. But um, yeah, still love what I do and uh, still building for people. So it's been amazing. I think that's so cool that you come into the band building world with like tons of experience. Cause I feel like, you know, for us, when we built our first van, you know, Frank is a little bit of a jack of all trades, but he had never really worked with wood or anything like that. And so you could super tell, I mean, no shade on you, buddy. I have no shade. I don't feel any shade. It's all good. (laughs) But like, you know, it wasn't a very professionally built van and you could certainly tell that. And then, you know, we're in our second van now and you can see that like, oh, we've learned some skills and things like that. So I think it's really cool that, you know, the very first projects that you were doing, you already had like all this woodworking background. So like that buddy that you built the frame in his Tacoma wasn't like, you know, the whole thing fell apart the next day, you know? Yeah. Um, when did you build your first van for you? Um, I guess technically the first personal van I ever built was probably back around that 2014, 15 or something like that. Me and my best friend went to Australia and we bought a little van and it was the easiest, simplest little build, kind of like my friend Elliot that you met down in Baja, just like one big platform, a little van like that. So it was just us two surfboards and backpacking gear underneath us two on top. And, um, I just didn't have a lot of tools there, obviously, but like, you know, it was a really strong bed and we ended up, you know, selling it for more than we bought it for. So I guess that was technically the first van build. But, um, since then I had built like uh, a forerunner drawer system for myself. I built another van in Australia. And then the van you saw down in Baja a couple uh, months ago was, is my first personal van, I guess, here in America that I actually put a lot of time into. And it's on its like third rend- rendering, you know, it's like every time I build something, I'm like, you live with it for six to eight months. I'm like, that could be better, you know, or I should do that, you know, this way. And, and it's just kind of keeps getting better and better. And hopefully it'll be pretty much ready to go in the next couple of weeks here. And then um, I'll probably be selling it at the end of the year to to upgrade to a bigger van because I've got too much stuff I want to bring. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the amazing thing about it is not only you're a builder, but you're also somebody who lives a lifestyle. Like you're getting in these vans and truly getting out there and doing your hobbies, whether it's surfing or dirt biking. And there's many other ones, I'm sure. I'm missing on them. We'll talk about more of those in a little bit. But you're actually getting out there and getting, you know, the feeling of what it's like to live in these rigs and then making the decision, the conscious decision of, I need to make these changes to make it right for this type of lifestyle. So I think that's uh, something amazing that you bring to the table with these companies that you have as well. Um, What would you say is like the tinker that you did from like the first phase to like the third phase? Like what was a couple of those steps that you did? Just like you said, I like hadn't lived in a couple of vans, you know, not for years, but for, you know, months at a time and, you know, in Australia and and driving around here in America for long trips and stuff. And, and you kind of really realize like what you do and don't need and, and where you want things to sit and and how you want every, the layout and how you want to function. And, um, that's kind of the first phase of my van. I built it really simple because I was kind of like on a little bit of time crunch before I was like leaving to go on a little road trip. And I just really know I wanted to have like this little zone where I, I could hang my wetsuits, you know, like I just didn't ever, always want to have a wet wetsuit in a bucket. I wanted to have somewhere to hang it and it could dry while I'm driving. And that was just like a big thing for me. And it just other people are like, that's kind of weird. But like now it's like the best thing in the van. Like everybody loves it. My girlfriend loves it. We throw so much stuff in there, whether it's wet or dirty or, you know, 
muddy mountain biking or shoes or, you know, wet, wet suits or towels or scuba gear or snorkeling gear, or whatever. It's just a perfect spot for it. And it dries out, drains out the bottom of the van. I kind of started with that side and then worked my way across. And like my van is like a little, you know, um, it just morphs into different things. So I can, you know, take the bed out. I can uh, put sheets of plywood in there. I can put the mountain bikes, the dirt bikes. So it's, I kind of had to think about all those things before I started building the big structures of it. But um, coming to the third phase, which I rebuilt earlier this year in January, um, I rebuilt the entire kitchen cabinet because I wanted to put a nicer fridge in there, like a nice big isotherm. I wanted to have a 2000 watt inverter. I want to have a little charging cabinets for all the ga- cameras and radios and batteries. And I want a nice little like storage area for all my clothes. Cause before we just kind of had a couple backpacks just sitting like on the um, countertop and that was just got really old really fast. So, um, that was kind of the newest rendering. And it's like, just after camping out of it, you're like, all right, I want places for things and I want it to stay there. I want it to keep moving it to get to something else. So that's definitely something to think about when you're, you know, obviously trying to build your van or even rebuild your van. It sounds like you're getting a little bit more bougie. Maybe the older that you're getting, you're like, mm, it's not so comfortable to sleep in the back of a truck. Like, 100%. you know, you want these little creature comforts. Do you think yeah. that's kind of like playing into your decisions on like how you're building your van now? I think it has to do with like maybe now since I've built a business, have a little bit more money. I have more money to like put into nicer things. Mm-hmm. And also like, um, after building so many vans for other people, I'm like, shoot, like that's like a really cool design. And that person's van, like I, I should do that in my own van. So it's like, you know, and, and a lot of my customers, when I was building custom vans, like really appreciated that I'd, I'll call them like, Hey, like I'm starting to build this cabinet. And this said you, ha- this is how you said you wanted it, but it's just not feeling right. Like what if we did it this way? And they really appreciated me just not building it and just like say, Hey, Hey, this is what you said. Here you go. Like kind of me, like actually like working with them and saying, Hey, like this is how I think it would work better, you know? And what if I told you there was a man from El Salvador who saved 40,000 Jewish people from the Nazis regime, but barely spoke a word about it? Or that mermaids are actually truly feared and supposedly murdering people in Zimbabwe? These are the kinds of stories you would find out on my show. My name's Ray Walker, and this is the Culture Cult Travel Show, where I, along with some guests, cut some jokes, tell our favorite travel stories, but also have the goal to feature stories from every country and every culture in the world. All 197 of them. I mean, there's just so many untold stories out there that are buried and forgotten in so many countries and cultures that are just underrepresented and unknown. Maybe even you would want to come onto the show and talk about your country. So even if you don't have the time or money to travel the world, you can still listen to my show, The Culture Cult Travel Show, and have a good laugh and learn about the world right where you are. Yeah, maybe I know I get like more bougie, but like, yeah, it, more creature comforts definitely help for sure. Um, and I think just, yeah, how well it you know, works with your lifestyle. Like you're saying, like, I mean, yours is built for, you know, your full-time van living. Mine's built for the little trips and, you know, moving tools and and everything. So, um, yeah, I think whenever I go to fix something, I try to make it more useful and and have multiple uses in a way as well. Yeah. It's super smart of you to actually talk to the customer too, as well, because a lot of people are kind of afraid of that and they kind of like, just say, Oh, this is what you wanted. And then they build it. And then the customer comes back and says, I didn't want it like that. I want it like this. And then they get into this like back and forth and then it's like not a good working relationship. But I think I remember you saying that you're not doing custom builds anymore. Am I wrong? Like not one-on-one for clients, but you're just, you're building beautiful vans and then selling them. Yeah. So like I built a company, Saw Woodworks, solely by myself, um, was able to rent space in my dad's shop and had a lot of real help with my dad for, you know, the space and some of the tools and stuff. And now, you know, pretty self-sufficient on my own, but uh, a couple of the friends that I kind of uh, started meeting over the last year, year and a half through kite surfing and some of our, you know, other activities like that, they're all really smart guys and they kind of 
couple of them quit their jobs and went on a big road trip together. And we're like, Hey, like, let's, let's start a van company. I'm like, I've been there and I've done that. You know, like, let me tell you like what to and do not do. Um, so yeah, I, I did kind of get out of the custom van building cause it, it gets, burns you out. You know I mean? You guys built your van. I, I'm sure it took, you know, I think you said six or eight months or something like that, but I was doing like a van a month or a van every six weeks, like working, you know, hundred hours a week sometimes. And it's just, it's a lot of work. And sometimes they do come back to you with all these different renderings and stuff. And I was building every one custom, no templates, no nothing. And it just got a lot real tiring, you know? And, um, I'm kind of one of those people where like, when I start getting over something, I can't keep doing it. I, I can't, I don't know how people sit at a desk their whole life. You know, like I, I need to always change something like to keep happy and keep, you know, interested in what I want to do. Right. So yeah, I kind of got out of the custom van building, went into like these, uh, kind of drawer systems for SUVs. And then when my friends came back to me and said, Hey, we want to build a van company. I'm like, all right, well, we're going to build vans and sell them. We're not going to like build custom ones, you know, and, and we're going to have one layout with a couple changes. That's pretty much what we have right now, which is a lot easier because now all of our drawings and everything, we just boom, plug, play. You want to add a microwave? All right, change that side, you know, that center jam over, you know, six inches. Like there's not much that needs to be tweaked, which makes the build time faster. Like we're starting a van this week. That'll be done in three weeks and it'll be wow. a brand new Sprinter van. So it's like, it, it's quicker for them, you know, and, and there's a ton of people who are still doing custom van conversions. So we can mm-hmm. always off work to them and, and it's not a big deal. Yeah. yeah. Well, I feel like, you know, there's something for everybody, you know, in terms of like YouTube channels, there's a million to choose from van builders. There's a million to choose from. Like you're going to get what you want by working with the company that suits your needs. And I think that, you know, a lot of people do just want something fast that they can get into that. They don't have to wait for six months for, you know, the custom build. Yeah. And being that it's fast, give us an idea of like what the layout is that Sandy Vans offers and maybe what the different modifications might be as well. So at the moment, our layout is pretty much a U-shaped dinette, which I believe is kind of similar to what you guys have. I think, I, don't, I couldn't see yours was in bed mode, but pretty much in the very back of the van, you have a six and a half foot long U-shaped dinette, um, two bench shoes on each side, then you have a removable centerpiece, um, the top and the front. So if you're looking through the back of the van, you have three big cubbies to store, you know, camping chairs, gear, snowboards, and, and um, skis can slide all the way through one of the bench seats, uh, both of the bench seats technically. Uh, one's deeper than the other because we have an electrical system on one side. Mm-hmm. And then in front of that, next to the sliding door, you have a little sink cabinet, I'm pretty sure just like your van. And mm-hmm. then across from the sliding door, you have the kitchenette cabinet. Um, upper cabinets, the whole driver's side, and then upper cabinets, just that six uh, five foot of the passenger side. That's pretty much the standard build. Um, obviously, we have the sink with about a 12 to 20-gallon water tank. We have the um, fridge. Then we have an electrical system from 200 to 400 amp hours, um, 175 watts of solar on the roof, the dual battery isolator to charge it as well. And um, a couple of the recent accessories and modifications that we've been doing, or just kind of add-ons, I should say, are adding a microwave, adding a slide-out um, composting toilet, um, adding kind of like maybe a little bit different ceiling you know, paneling, and then letting the customers choose their different cabinet color and countertop color. So couple little things like that, a couple different colors of the fixtures, but the layout itself is pretty much straightforward. You change the cushion color, of course. And the idea is to have about three or four, you know, variations of, you know, cushions, uh, uh, wall wrapping, you know, material, uh, cabinet material, countertops and, and things like that. So, I mean, you kind of just pick and choose a couple little things, but it's pretty much going to be the same layout. We will be coming out with a new layout with more of like a livable layout because of this housing crisis, that's probably going to happen. <laughs> so yeah. we can have like, you know, the, the weekender, you know, and then we can have like the, li- the livable one where you think you're going to live in it 
for you know months or or you know forever. Mm-hmm. So, well, I love the U shape layout uh, compared to we had the platform bed in our first van, and now yeah. that we have this U shape, it's actually great for like hosting and being able to hang out with other people. And uh, if you, especially if you're a weekender, you know it, it makes it to where you could really go enjoy a trip with a couple of different friends. Maybe have a couple tents. You could throw out a few tents for other people. You know, it it makes the experience a lot more uh, friendly than yeah. than having more of that closed off van. But I think what we have is that this was our second van build. And so we had already downsized tremendously to get into the first van. And then as we were living in the first van, we downsized even more in terms of like the stuff and the clothes and the gear, you know, whatever. And so when we got into this van, we weren't so worried about having tons and tons of storage, which, you know, in our next build, we're probably going to have a fixed bed and a dinette. You know, it's like, it's like the evolution of the van build and your needs and, you know, what you want as you're kind of, you know, the longer that you're on the road. Um, But so I'm actually very curious. This is not about the van building, but you talked about van life in Australia and you went back twice. It sounds like. So can you tell us a little bit about your time down there? Cause that's something that we definitely want to do eventually. Well, I'm, I'm the guy and I've got a lot of friends and a lot of pins on a map. So uh, I'll let you know, um, whenever you make the jump, but yeah, Australia, it, it always been like in, in my head because I'm, I'm a surfer and you always, you know, see the competitions there and the surfers from Australia and in high, uh, just after high school and, and community college, I met a really cool Australian guy, uh, in a couple of classes and became really good friends. And then he, his family ended up living in LA for a couple of years. So we just got to hang out for a while and, uh, me and my best friend, you know, we're good friends with Eddie, uh, our buddy from Australia. And uh, when we, when my buddy graduated uh, college, I'm like, dude, we're going to Australia. That's what we got to do. Like, I've always wanted to go. Like, you just played eight years of football. Like, let's just go visit Eddie in Australia. He moved back there now. Let's go do it, you know. And so it was just like the perfect timing and an awesome trip with my best friend that we dreamed about since we were kids. You know, me and my best friend Bryce are like dumb and dumber. We're just like, can have a great time anywhere, can dance to any music. And then we just had a great time backpacking around Australia for a couple months. And that was my first like kind of taste of it. And I was like, I love this country. I love the people. I've been back uh, a couple times after that for my sister. She was a competitive surfer for a little bit. So I got to go back with her for a, a couple weeks to a month at a time for some competitions they had there. And then I was getting to like, you know, 27, 28 years old. And I just remember hearing like, you can get a visa there for up to two years before you're 30. And I was like, well, I need to get on this. So I, I've always want, I want to go back. I want to see all my friends I've met traveling around the world surfing. And I um, just loved the country. So I went back um, a couple of years before the pandemic and got a working visa, uh, bought a van, you know, lived in that. And then also had like, I would if I'd stay in a, in a city for a couple of months and work and then move on to the next city. And came home for summer for a month, came home for Christmas. I wasn't like fully there for two years straight, but in two years, I probably spent, you know, 16 months, 18 months there probably. Um, And it was just amazing. And uh, I was actually in the process of getting a uh, citizenship there before the pandemic hit. So uh, that kind of took a back burner. And and now, you know, who knows what will happen, but I still have some, some leeway to, you know, like move forward if I ever want to do that again. But uh, yeah, if you want to go do like the best, easiest, like, van life and trip like australia is a place like they love van they love vans there's tons of free camping tons of beautiful places to stay like the roads are super clean um super safe country um it's like a little pricey for gas and stuff but like you know the conversion right now is, is kind of in our favor a little bit um so i would recommend it you know over and over again to anybody 
to van life Australia because it's just amazing and and uh just a beautiful clean country and it's it's like America but just like like it would have been like you know a hundred years ago just way less people it's a little more tropical you know um beautiful surf way uh, uh, surf breaks you know every corner you turn you're just like wow like is this real like you can drive on the beach here like this is this shouldn't be allowed you know it's it's pretty awesome. That's so cool. That sounds absolutely incredible. And I can't wait for the time that we get to experience it. Um, but that being said, if I remember correctly, I think there's some history with van life and Australia, like van life kind of originated in Australia, if I'm not mistaken. Is that true? You know, if that's true, I'm not sure. I've never gotten like an actual, you know, history. I don't know if they've made a history book about it or anything, but when I was there back in like 2014, 2015, it was a thing for sure everybody lived in vans. Like even if you lived in Australia, you lived in a van. Like all my buddies are like 18 to, you know, mid twenties lived in a van. And then they just like went to work and they went, went back to their van and then they like crashed in front of their buddy's house and shower here or shower at the beach. And I'm like, this is so weird. Like nobody back home does this. Like if you live in a car, you're like a druggie and you're like, you need help. But there it was yeah. like the thing, you know, and it was cool. Like, and, and here in America, like I never saw people van lifing or like traveling from, you know, Oregon to to San Diego in a van like that wasn't really a thing like you'd, you'd rent a big RV but not a little van you know mm-hmm. and that definitely got my mind turning of like wow like why is this not a thing in you know California I kind of really wanted to start like a van rental company because there was nothing like that in America um, until obviously the last couple of years but um, obviously traveling a lot of things took over but there yeah a lot of I feel like Australia gave the world a lot of uh, a lot of that and Europe as well I've heard a lot of van like kind of you know traveling well i feel like it sounds like the whole sentiment towards van life in australia is a lot kinder like you're saying everybody loves the vanner you know you could literally roll up and it's all cool and i feel like in some places in america that's true but in other places in america it's very much like we don't want you here and like get your van out of my you know neighborhood and you're dangerous yeah well like the australians and like european stuff they're they're very like open to like travelers and stuff and they like in america it's like oh like what are you doing going traveling you get a job you know and and yeah. over in australia like everybody every person you meet like has traveled like when i went there for the first time with my, with my buddy bryce like i said to build a van we were building it in front of my friend's house just south of sydney and, and their neighbor came out I was like oh like uh, troy said you're coming to you know like hang out you're from california like well we travel california we love it like oh you guys are building a van like hey we've got a spare mattress and like sheets and everything you want it we're like of course, you know, like instead of them being like, hey, like get out of my freaking yard, you're building this van, it looks like crap. Like, what are you doing? They're like super open and cool about it. So it's like, it's just like the whole mentality and like, you know, culture, I feel like of traveling and Australians travel a lot. So I think it's just like so friendly like that where people are excited to see other people enjoying their country and, mm-hmm. and having a good time and stuff. I think there's a sentiment behind like Americans of like the nine to five work and like your parents telling you, like, you got to get the job, you got to do this, you got to do that. Like, you have to wait to travel you know, until later on in life where you're Europe and Australia, they normally give like month long, you know, uh, holidays to their oh. workers. And like, so travel is very encouraged. Um, and I think that has a lot to do with why Americans are so like, Oh, you know, you got to do this, you got to do that. And they, they get this like sentiment of like, they have to be that way to the next person. Um, Granted, with that being said, we have met a lot of amazing people along our travels too. People that are like-minded or love the van travel or just love what we do in general. So not everybody's like that, but there's definitely more people in America like that than it than say in Australia or Europe. 
For sure. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely kind of weird. It's kind of come down the generations. I think now it's slowly starting to break up with the more remote working, the um, you know, just just a different lifestyle nowadays kind of thing. And and uh, the pandemic, of course, where everybody kind of ended up being remote and started living in vans. It's now it's not such of a weird thing. I feel like, um, which is awesome, you know, because you know I don't want anybody to have to be forced into going to college or whatever they think they need to do. I really cool parents that luckily didn't force me into anything as long as I, you know, was a functioning member of society, you know, they're like, okay, with kind of whatever I was doing, you know, and, um, but I always worked hard and everything. So I didn't really have to worry about me too much, but yeah, I think it's, uh, I think it's changing for the better for sure here in America. I was, I want to go back to that wet storage area that you had going on because it made me, it got my wheels turning because like I like to snowboard and now I'm surfing and I'm picking up all these different hobbies. And one of the things that I think that, we don't think about in the van life aspect of living is like that days are going to be rainy. If you're going to go on hikes, sometimes, sometimes you're going to go on hikes that are going to be muddy and disgusting. Sometimes you're just in a place when you're parking, like when you're boondocking, it's really dusty, you know? So this, this wet room area got me thinking about like, you know, placement of, of it in the van and whatnot. Where did you put yours in your van? Mine is like, right. When you open the, back right door which is the first door that opens probably like yours just right there on the right so like you open the back door there's like a little cubby about this big with like kind of like i have like my surf fins and wax and then i have like some shampoo and stuff and then like right past that it's you know about this wide and just just enough to hang wetsuits or or you know board shorts or you know bikinis or whatever and um or put your um scuba fins in there or anything like that it kind of sits right in there it's about you know as wide as a t-shirt or something and about maybe three feet tall and um that's where mine was just because I, right when I open the back door, boom, throw the wetsuit in there. It has a little, uh, a slope and then it has a little drain in the bottom. It goes right out of the bottom of the van. Um, so it's just, it works out perfectly. But in the next van I'm building, hopefully later this year, I want to have like the entire back area, um, waterproof. So you can like walk right in there with your wetsuit on or right in there with your snow gear on. And it'll just be one big, you know, kind of sloped, um, drain system, you know, like you'd almost have like a big, shower you know or something and and i i don't know it just seems like it works in my lifestyle and you know less sand in the living area and you can just kind of walk through the garage area into your living area you know yeah mm. so um yeah i i just kind of how i i think i would want it nice i was wondering you were talking about how you worked with your dad and you know in his business for so long how did he feel when you were like i'm gonna go do my own thing yeah um as I said, my parents are super cool. So they were always super supportive, whatever I did. So it kind of slowly came to the point where I was like, Hey dad, like I, um, can I use like, you know, the table saw, like, you know, after work to build this rabbit cage for so-and-so they're gonna give me 200 bucks. And he's like, yeah, sick. That's cool. Like, all right. And then like, you know, then like a couple months later, Hey dad, like, can I take Friday off because this little side job popped up, you know, blah, blah. blah. He's like, yeah, I guess so. It's not that you know busy of a day. Sure. Sure. And, um, it kind of just kept going like that. But then I just kind of hit like a time in my life where I was like, what the hell am I doing? Like, I need to go travel. I just went straight to my dad. I'm like, dad, like I need to leave. I'm going to Indonesia for three months. Uh, if you need to hire somebody else, I completely understand. If my job's not here, I get back. I completely understand, but I need to leave. He's like, you know what? I think you should. Like, I wish I did that, you know, before we got married and they had everything. So it was like, he was like kind of living through me in a way. Like, so that was obviously pretty cool. And um, now my parents have had like a little bit more time to go do some of their own traveling. We did Australia for three weeks. Once we did Indonesia for three weeks. We they now they drove down to Cabo and back and they've been a little bit doing a little bit more traveling themselves kind of since I feel like I maybe sparked some interest in there in their minds. But, um, 
yeah, it was pretty, it's pretty weird to like kind of slowly stop working for my dad and be like, dad, like I came back from a trip once and I was like, dad, like I have three van builds lined up. Like I can't work for you. And he's like, shit, like, all right, you have any friends <laughs> you know, like that can help me out. And, uh, and I always helped him out. Like if you really needed it, but I was like, he just like, I think he liked to see, you know, me like, you know, have something I was really interested in. And I was making like two to three times more money than he was paying me, you know? So he's yeah. like, I don't know if I could afford that anyways, you know? Um, but it always worked out. And, uh, uh, I think it's just, you know, just like his dad saw him build a business, you know, he saw me build a business. So he's pretty excited about it for sure. Yeah. I just wondered if it was like, Oh, I wanted to pass this on to my son and you know, that kind of like, there were for sure. Yeah. He, he offered me taking over the contracting business many times and, but it just, it just never made, felt like it made sense in my head with my lifestyle. Like I was like, how am I going to go travel for three months? If like, I've got these jobs that take six months, like, you know, it's a six month job doing a whole kitchen and, and bathroom and house remodel, you know? And he's like, Oh, we well, can schedule it here and schedule it there. And I was just like, I don't know, like that's a long time to be dealing with one customer six months. Like, yeah. Whoa. Like my dad's the coolest guy ever. And like, gotta be one of the best contractors all of Southern California. He he's all worked off the of word of mouth his entire career. He's never advertised and he's busy. He's booked a year and a half out right now. So he's, always a great guy and just always gets everything done the right way and, and works really well with customers. So I learned from that and that took that in my own business. But like, I just couldn't imagine like having to work for, <laughs> you know, six months straight with the same person. And also like we'd have to drive, you know, an hour to hour and a half to the jobs and sit in traffic all day where people would bring me their vans. It would sit at our shop and I would just go surf, go to the shop from nine to five, go home, you know, or obviously work till 10 o'clock, whatever the job needed, but just way less driving really, you know, I, I hate the traffic and everything. So that, that was obviously a big, part of why I wanted to work myself. That's a huge reason why I left my old job doing air conditioning for a living. I was commuting almost three hours per day on average for, you know, somebody else, for a company that I was making only a very small fraction of the money that what they were actually getting from my, you know, production. And then I wasn't getting paid to travel to and from, you know, so it's just like a big life change that allows you to be able to do what you love and do what you want and also be able to make the money while you're doing it, you know? Yeah. And, and I got super lucky that just how my life ended up. And I kind of like, like I, I say it sometimes, I was like, I worked really hard to not work for anybody else. Like, yeah. it's like, it's not that hard in the retrospect, but I also like, I turned down a lot of other opportunities. I had people offer me jobs. Like want me to come work construction, want me to come work this good money or work these jobs with good money. But like, then I was working for somebody else. And like, I couldn't just go snowboard on a Wednesday when it snowed the night before. Like, I just couldn't go do that, you know? And I was like, there's no way I could see myself like, you know, being stuck in that kind of, you know, um, career. So like, I worked pretty hard to <laughs> not work pretty hard, if that makes sense, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes total sense. I think that sentiment is kind of shared with a lot of people that we know who've moved into vans because most people who live in a van become very entrepreneurial if they weren't already before seeking that kind of like freedom mindset in terms of like starting your own business and being your own boss and all of these things. And so, you know, a lot of the people that we're the closest with hustle, you know, like everybody's working towards that goal of, you know, get, you know, making a good income, but then also having the freedom and the flexibility to make that income wherever they want, where, like you said, if you want to go on like a two day, you know, out and back hike you don't have to ask if that's like cool you know that's the best way to live in my opinion Uh 100 percent. and so for the people that say can't afford you know the van 
fully built out. I did see on your website that it looks like that you have like partial built like kits that people could buy. So um, can you tell us more about that? Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely, I think what it's coming to in the van building world anyways, kind of like, I think that upper cabinet that you guys have from, from that company, I could remember their name, but um, yeah, it's just, that's kind of how I got into these forerunner systems as well. It's like so many people were messaging me like, Hey, like, can you sell me those blueprints for that? Can you sell me blueprints for that? And I kind of started out with the smallest thing first, like these little forerunner boxes, you know, it's, it's a pretty simple idea, but for somebody who has no tools or no experience or anything like that's, it's kind of hard, you know, to make something that, that's square and the drawers pull out properly and, and it's the right depth and everything and height. Um, so that's like where I kind of started with that. And then when the whole idea of the van company started, I was like, well, definitely we got to make kits, you know, we got to make this, we got to make that. And luckily my partner's on the same page. Uh, my partner, Evan, that's the whole engineer side of it, does all the CAD drawings is like, we play off each other so well because we have that mind of seeing how things are already going to look after, before they're even built. Um, so that's my expertise right now is all the cabinetry. Um, Evan's doing all the CAD work and all like the exterior accessories and some electrical systems. And we have Alan that's doing all the sales and um, lead generation and working directly with the customers, find out like what they, color they want for all their you know countertops and all that. So it's like all three of us that work really well in that aspect. And the kits are just, it's like, why not? If we're going to go through all the work to make these kits to fit perfectly in a sprinter. So when we get the sprinter, boom, we can do it as quickly as possible why not offer these to other people so that they can have the same concept, you know, like maybe it might cost us, you know, it cost somebody, you know, 50 grand to get a van converted, but if they can buy some of these kits for five, 10, 15 grand and kind of do some of the work themselves, you know, and maybe they don't need the whole kit, but they just want the kitchen, you know, or they just want the sink or they want the bench seat and they can work up to, you know, purchasing more things or they don't even want all that. And like, we can just offer a little piece of the puzzle. So that's the idea. And right now we offer uh, wall panel kits and ceiling kits that make the entire van, you know, fully, you know, closed and insulated. Obviously you do your own insulation. Then these attach and they fit perfectly to all the grooves and notches. And then, um, we are also selling roof racks and ladders at the moment. So hopefully in the next couple of months, we'll have the full cabinets ready to go. Um, it's a lot of, you know, testing and, and making sure that, uh, it's something that somebody else can build. So we got to make the videos on how to build it or, or very good directions. Like Ikea is, it's, mm-hmm. it's a lot of work that goes into trying to, you know, and I've, already been through all of this with my own company saw woodworks doing all these drawer systems and all, two drawers you would not think it'd be that hard to explain some to somebody how to build two drawers but for somebody that has absolutely no knowledge it is you know like I, yeah. I my girlfriend has a degree in chemistry like and i don't know anything about that but when she reads something on a bottle that makes complete sense to her but like to me it doesn't make any sense so it's like i, I understand that not everybody grew up with a dad that you know is a carpenter so it's we're trying to make it as simple as we can for people and it just fits and, and it works really well and um and all the designs are coming from from myself. So, uh, you know, 15 years of doing woodworking, so they should be pretty good. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. I love the fact that you're also putting up YouTube videos explaining how it actually gets installed. But first, a word from today's sponsor. You're listening to the Productive Not Busy Podcast, where our mission is to make you more money so you'll have less stress and more free time. It's all about mindset, attitude, and taking action. And your host, Wayne Weathersby, knows how to make that happen. He's negotiated and closed over $150 million in contracts while building businesses with proven success strategies that he wants to share with you. So if you're ready to make some real money, then let's get to it. Here's Coach Wayne. 
definitely great having an interactive type of service rather than reading the direction directions and trying to put it together uh, because yep. you can see it. You can physically see it going up. And even if maybe you read the direction a little bit wrong, you could be like, oh, okay, this is where that goes. This is where that screw goes in. I love that. Now, is this only for sprinter vans or is it for transits? Is it for ProMasters? What what exactly is it for? Yeah, we're only doing the sprinter vans and 144s at the moment. Um, I, I guess the kitchen cabinets, I mean, everything could technically fit in a 170 except the wall panel kits um, because obviously they're longer, but like you could easily put like a, a kitchen or, or, or the sink and stuff once we get it into the 170. Um, but I will actually be getting a 170 wheelbase sprinter in the next couple months here. Um, so that maybe will be the test one. So uh, we'll be able to, you know, make kits for that as well. But um, yeah, we're just kind of sticking with the sprinters because it seems like that's like the biggest market at the moment. Um, we're able to work pretty closely with a sprint with a Mercedes dealership um, here in Southern California. So it kind of just worked out really well like that. Um, also, a lot of people really like the four wheel drive vans and um, Ford only had the all wheel drive, which, you know, not too many people were super stoked on the first couple of years. So that's kind of where just where we started going with it. And, you know, the sprinters have like a really good, um, you know, kind of rep with them, you know, like they diesel, they last a long time, they get great gas mileage. So it's a good looking van. And a lot of companies, you know, are making, you know, parts for it. So we're kind of just like trying to get into that space and who knows, maybe we'll go into the transits or the Rams or, or anything like that. But, uh, for now it's just the sprinters for at least the next year, I'd imagine. Um, obviously a lot of companies who do just sprinters also, and there's a lot of companies who do everything but since we're such a small company we got to stick to something and make sure it works mm-hmm. yeah. not too too crazy and the other aspect of this company too is if somebody wanted to actually like get a feel for what one of your vans are like they could also rent them out too right yeah so we actually have uh two vans for rent right now the ones you would have seen on our website they're they're also for sale uh, if somebody rents them and they love them hey buy it off us why not we know we can keep adding some to the fleet so hopefully by summer next year we're going to have at least four to six rentals um so that we can also we can have you know people in the Southern California area you know get a feel for vans, get a feel of van life if they want to purchase one or if they just really want to you know have a fun van trip for you know a week or two. It's it's just such an easy thing to hop into compared to like a big RV or you know having to go stop and find a hotel every night. And I think just as we're talking about you know Americans you know minds changing and lifestyles like people just love just not knowing where they're going to be you know tonight you know and I think that's a, it's a really fun experience just how I. And you guys experience, you know, I think vans are perfect for that. So, um, yeah, we're hoping to, you know, grow the rental fleet a little bit and um, also just always have vans that are available for when we want customers to come and look and see how they want their van to be like. It's always nice to have one there so they can say, oh, wow, this is exactly what it feels like. The photos, you know, are pretty nice in the videos, but it doesn't do it justice till you're actually in, you know, the vehicle or, you know, the van yourself. Mm hmm. I love that aspect of like driving to a place at night. We used to do this in America a lot more. Now we're in Mexico and not really doing it, but you know, you drive to a place at night, you get there, you park up, you sleep and you wake up in the morning and you're like excited to see what's out the window. Cause you have no idea what you're going to see. And then exactly. boom, it opens up to like a mountainside and like yeah. a drop off of like all these beautiful trees. You yeah. Know, just, like the ideal feeling of what people on the internet at least think what van life is. Yeah, no, it's, it's, yeah, it is, it's funny. Like I get like back, you know, as I said, you know, back in the day, five, six years ago when the van life thing wasn't so big, like, you know, it, it, it was, it was just fun. It was fun. Like, you know, building van stuff. Now people are like, Oh, you're one of those van builder guys, you know? Oh yeah. There's a million of you. It's like, well, kind of been doing it for a while, you know, compared to, you know, most people, you know, only, I mean, there's businesses that are, you know, do 10 million in revenue and they've only been around for two years, you know, and their van companies, you know, so it's like, I mean, you know, I didn't get massive like that, you know? And in a way, like I, 
I've got had an opportunity to get really big like that. I had a couple people who wanted to invest in my business, but I just didn't really want to like get, if I was going that big, I was not going to be able to take the time off that I wanted to, you know? So, yeah. um, I think, uh, you know, you know, I made the right decisions. Well, I think you're also doing it out of love and like the fact you want to help somebody where the other businesses are probably doing it more for the profit end. If they're, if they're scaling up to that size, at least, you know, we went to visit like a big builder in Phoenix. They were, when we were looking for this second van, he had a van listed for sale. And anyways, we ended up touring his facility and it was, it just, it almost felt like a little bit soulless and it felt a little bit, um, like, I don't want to say shitty, like quality or whatever, but like you would look at the van and you're like, ah, that doesn't look like a van that you would want to live in. You know, like it, it just felt very like formulaic. Yeah. Like there's a couple of them like that. There's a couple of companies that build like a lot of 80, 20 extrusion and, and a lot of like kind of, you know, so there's some companies that honestly just buy parts off other people and then just throw them in the van, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and then you have like a, a upper cabinet from them and a sink from that and like a cabinet from there. It's like, it does look a little funky, but Hey, like everybody's got their own style. Just like sometimes you see weird houses or weird cars, you know, it's just how it is, you know? And, um, yeah, we're, we're definitely trying to make ours feel like really like open and airy and beach feeling. And like you're saying social, you know, so you have like, you know, a lot of like entertaining area. Um, the trip we just did when we got home from Baja, we went up to Oregon for a week to kite surf through the 4th of July. And we had the two vans up there cause they did the adventure van expo. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Alan did the adventure van expo, uh, before I got up there and, they had so much good feedback of people just coming and hanging on the van for like half an hour. And it's just so comfortable. You can sit here, you can sit there and they had the, you know, the dog and the kid and their husband, like, Oh, I can see us just sitting here, like hanging out at the beach or, you know, making food after a hike, you know, it's not like so claustrophobic in there. Cause you have like that open setup and stuff. And, and, uh, where there are some companies that just do one massive bed and then there's like a little tiny cou- counter, you know, it's, uh, to each their own, you know, depending on what you, you know, need out of your van, but well, that's a big part of it. Or the space that's like this big to walk by and you can't even walk by another person. Those yeah. are the ones that, uh, they get me. I, I can't do that. It's tricky, man. It's, it's, it's hard to find that, you know, that medium and same thing. Like when I was building custom bands, like, you know, I'd sit there and be like, all right. So like, this is the countertop height. This is what makes sense. Like, okay. This guy's a little taller than me. Let's make the countertop a little taller. Like you need at least, you know, 30 inches to walk by. Like you always want to think of things, you know, you don't want to build a cabinet and then build a drawer that like can't even open all the way because the cabinet's too big. Like, there's just so many things you got to think ahead of and, and a lot of people don't really do that when building vans. They'll build this and then they'll go to build that and like, oh shoot, like that thing needed to be angled in the other direction. And it's like, you know, mm-hmm. it's, I think that's where a lot of like, you know, my knowledge from building previously, you know, and thinking ahead in a, in a kitchen kind of came, came through and it, it yeah. helps. Sure. Well, like, I mean, even for us, like first van to second van, so much better. Second van to third van is going to be, you know, like another level up. Yeah. You're probably on van number like 500 or something ridiculous. Yeah, I'm pretty, it's going to be very interesting when I build this new sprinter in the next couple of months, because uh, I've got so many ideas of what I want to do to it. And, I've, and, and, you know, since I built this van three years ago, it's like, there's so many new products, you know, and um, mm. a couple of different companies I've been working with. So I'm pretty excited to get uh, some new products and, you know, just new designs in the van. And uh, it'll be pretty, pretty amazing. It's going to be a, if this van, the transformer, this one's going to be <laughs> even better. So <laughs> the version two. Um, it's going to have the, the, the lift, the happy Jack bed lift and, um, Starlink. It's going to, going to have everything to go, to go anywhere. And maybe I'll be able to drive it all the way down to Central America again. Like you guys. Yeah. Yes, that'd be be awesome. Awesome. We actually, uh, just got Starlink. It's uh, being sent to us right now. So we we're actually, expect- right before we jumped on this call, we got the notification that it had finally shipped. Cause we've been watching yeah. every day. Like, has it shipped? Has it shipped? Has it shipped? Yeah. I mean, imagine being able to kind of just chill at like La Fortuna where we met you yeah. and have, 
you know, full access to be able to do the job that you need to do. And yep. that, that was, that was available if we would have had Starlink at that moment, but yeah. you know, we didn't and that's okay. And we'll have it soon. And we'll let you know how it goes throughout yeah. our travels to Central America. So that's a funny part, actually, that if, uh, distinguishing our Sandy vans from other vans at that adventure van expo that we went to in Oregon out of like a hundred or 120 vans that were there, we were the only van that had Starlink installed on it. Whoa. It's crazy. so new. Yeah. Like it's new, but it's like, you're selling a hundred $190,000 sprinter. Like, and you can't even get on the internet. Yeah. yeah you know, yeah. And, and, I mean, and then, so then when we're in Oregon and I, uh, you know, taking out my buddies up, you know, with my business partners up there, we just ended up going to this photo shoot way back in the mountains and no service. We threw the little Starlink up there, go, and then finds its position for the satellites and 120 megabytes a second. Woo. Internet Right now. Like this is, <laughs> That's so let me ask you this, just like uh, logistically speaking, because we're about to like install it in the van. How would you recommend like get, getting it set up? Like our bus friends that were at La Fortuna, I don't know if you t- like you probably talked to them while we were there. They literally have like their Starlink mounted to their roof and they just drive with it up there. But mm-hmm. I feel like they're already like a really big machine to begin with. And it might be kind of aggressive to have it, you know, on the roof of a van. I don't know. Like, what what would you suggest? Um, yeah, we, we are hoping to create some sort of proper mounting bracket so that it can stay up there, you know, full time. Um, it doesn't work while you're driving. Number no, one. Yeah. So um, that's one of the things. But, um, I mean, it it seems like it can't, it's very robust. Like, it's a very strong, you know, device the only thing i would be scared of is like you know just hitting a tree or or anything happening to it because it's pretty expensive right um and you know i don't know if it's there any many there's many like replaceable parts at this moment but it's not too hard to literally just sit outside your van like if you have everything else wired up all you gotta do is like plug one thing into the the little post there's like a a base a post and then like the satellite that's on there and you can just plug it in and within a minute or two you're on the internet so it's not that hard to just kind of throw out there real quick um we are working on something to have it up there full time. But, uh, the one thing I would say, like when you're going to wire it, like make sure that the, um, like the, the booster or the box, you know, that kind of has all the you know components mm-hmm. in it, like make sure that's in a very ventilated area. Um, our first install, it was not a very ventilated area. It got really warm in there and it, it puts out a lot of heat from that Starlink, um, puts out quite a bit of amps as well. I think it's like eight or nine amps an hour. So, um, just be conscious of that, you know, with your battery and everything. But, um, yeah, I, I wish that it was just mobile and it would just work while you're driving and, and you could just have it up there all the time. And, and I'm sure you can, I just, I'm pretty scared, you know, especially yeah. in Mexico, there's crazy trees and power lines and, and street signs and stuff everywhere. So yeah. um, if you were camped out, you know, and you're driving down Baja was, you know, pretty open, you know, it'd probably be a lot better, but, um, I'd mainland probably- is definitely tighter. Like even just the other day we turned to go down a street and we're like, Oh, it's a hundred percent low hanging trees on a one way street. Yeah. I guess we're just going for it. Yeah. You know, they're a beast. And then there was a hailstorm that happened. And, uh, one of the roads that we were going down, we, 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 uh, changed our spot because we were kind of just sitting out in the open. So I wanted, I found like a big tree to kind of get under. And while yeah. that hailstorm was going on, one of the electrical lines kind of drooped down. And obviously, you know, we have to kind of drive by it and it's rubbing yeah. on the, the roof imagine it just like catching the starlink you know totally yeah Yeah. you'd have to like be very conscious of that thing all the time i feel like so yeah whether you just kind of 
brought your cable up to the roof and just had it sitting there ready to plug it in, or it's just a cable that was right next to the sliding door and you kind of threw it out the sliding door real quick, you know, um, you know, had a little 10 foot cord on it or something. I think either of those would work pretty well. And, um, I'm hoping by the time I build my van, we'll have some sort of system built, you know, that it'll be able to be up there full time and, and, um, a couple ideas of how to protect it as well while it's up there. So, uh, or maybe (laughs) once we get that going, we'll, we'll have to send one to you. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like something that you could totally kit out like your other stuff, you know, if it's literally just like a component or a mounting system or a bracket or like whatever it is, you know, it'd be pretty easy to just like put it in a bag and, you know, ship it out. So I think a lot more people are going to be getting on to Starlink, you know, as especially because I feel like the van life movement has kind of moved away from like, oh, it's just like some hippies living in the van down by the river and now, like, a lot of people who live in vans have full-time corporate jobs and, like, literally need... Or full-time businesses. Yeah, like, you just, you wow. need internet when you're on the road. And you can, you know, a lot of people can make an even bigger salary than what they made in their house, you know, or going to an office. So just the ability to have that internet anywhere is going to be a game changer, especially for, like, us on YouTube. Like, yeah, uploading a video can sometimes be, like, the worst part of our day three days yeah and you're just like okay the internet here is very bad so let's go somewhere else and then the internet there is very bad and then like you don't have enough data on your cell phone and then it's just all these things that you have to manage where if we just had starlink and we could be like boop and then it's up and it's done it's gonna just i mean it's worth 700 dollars just to not have to deal with that anymore correct and honestly for like you know 100 120 bucks a month or whatever it is is not that big of a deal compared to like, you know, having a, a hotspot for 50 and then having to buy this wee boost and all that crazy stuff. So we're going to, you know, recharge your, you know, Mexican SIM card all the time. Like I definitely wish I would have had a, a Starlink many times when I traveled and we're actually going on a trip to Egypt in a couple months. And I'm like, can we bring the Starlink? You know, like we're on a boat to go kite surfing for a little bit. And I looked it up and like this, they have a satellite map of where Starlink works and like the whole Middle East is not, there's no satellites no. going there yet like damn it like we could be on this boat kite surfing and then working all night like would be yeah. yeah well i mean i would say you never know because our friends who have it the areas where it says that it's not available is just that they won't like ship it there yet that doesn't necessarily mean that they, they might have roaming yeah so you might be and like map that i was looking at but maybe it, it could have been something different yeah there. who knows looking but like different. our friends like so technically like I should find that map, but like Guatemala, Nicaragua, Costa Rica aren't, um, it's not not available available to -hmm. purchase down there, but we're hoping that it still works. (laughs) I guess the two different ones they have is like the one that's like at home, it's always stationary. And then like this, a new package for the van, you know, mobile is where you can just use it anywhere. Because apparently if you have a Starlink, but it's not being used in your zip code for, up to I think two over two months, then like they'll they'll charge you or they'll cancel you or something. I think mm. I was that's funny because um, we have people who've had the home Starlink for like a year plus, and, yeah, and they just they change their home address every time they move. Yeah. So they um, just go into the app and say, "Oh no, I live in Phoenix now. Oh no, I live in Denver. Oh no, I've moved to Fairbanks, Alaska." And yeah. one of the biggest differences with having the home one and having the mobile one is the mobile one if there's a lot of people on on then they'll throttle you where the home one they won't so there's a there's a real good chance that uh if you have the home one you might have a better uh access to service at all times gotcha okay 
Huh. Who knows? Yeah, but we've gone very off track be because we're very excited about this. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Um, normally, we ask the question of like, um, what kind of advice would you give to somebody? But I think that for this specific episode, it should be a little bit different. What is the message that Sandy Vans wants to send to the people and the people that are getting their vans? Yeah, I mean, Sandy Vans, like kind of I was explaining, like we're just, you know, a couple of guys that are um, just really passionate about like what we're doing. You know, we came from different walks of life and different businesses and different, you know, um, previous employers and stuff. And, but we just came together to have like such a good, like um, kind of work ethic together. Like we have, you know, we have like seven people involved. We have a couple investors and we have, you know, myself, Evan engineer, um, Alan sales and working with the customer. And then we got Connor doing all of our um, financing and everything and also lead generation, all that. So we just got like this great group of people. We also have another guy, Steven Stolp, that's down in San Diego. He does custom ambulance conversions and we brought him on and he's doing all these rad, rad, like kind of more artsy, like ceilings for us and doing electrical systems. And then we just have like these people who just, everybody has a, brings a different piece of the puzzle. So you kind of like getting like, professionals from every single like genre of like you know uh, how a van goes together right you have the sales guy and like how to somebody that can read your mind and just be like oh you want a beachy lifestyle theme like this we need to do this this white you need this be tan you need this so like we're kind of just putting out like the um mission of just like we're trying to give you a you know the best built van the best built van possible um for like a pretty reasonable price you know and it's not gonna be extravagant that we're not gonna give you things that you don't need but it's gonna be like a perfect build for like what we're kind of right now our audiences um you know like the weekend the weekend years the people who want to go just for the weekend up to big sur or you know people going for like a week or two um or, or people who just like really want to drive around all day and like they always have all their gear in it you know um we're just trying to like you know get people to live like that sandy that that sandy lifestyle that san diego you know lifestyle you know like every day um, cause honestly, van life has become a huge thing here in Southern California and, um, it, it, you don't have to live in a van to, you know, have a van life. So, um, I think that's, would be like the best way to explain our business is just trying to give you the best thing that we can to, you know, feel like you're, you know, you're living that life every day. Sick. I ha- do have a question. What's something that you see, like, what's a mistake that you see a lot of people who build their own vans make that you would like love for them not to have to deal like go through that or have that, you know, thing wrong with their van. Um, like a mistake that I, like a, like a DIY builder would make yeah. that, that like is just like not like easily be fixed. Um, I'd say like a lot of people, like when I was building custom vans would bring their vans to me with like this idea that like, you can't put like much weight in it and and it needs to be super well insulated and like a lot of things and like sure some vans do need to be very well insulated if you live in alaska but like we're in southern california it's not that bad right um but also it's like people bring me vans like hey like i want to put like very minimal like very like light build i'm like this is a 15 passenger van you know and that goes off of a 160 pound per 180 pound person like you could put a lot of freaking weight in this thing you know like obviously your gas mileage will come less but like you know, so I think like just some people like in the first parts of van building that were kind of scared about that. Um, but I think like the electrical system is kind of a big one. Um, a lot of people are very like, you know, like uh, kind of like freaked out about that. Um, more so because like, you know, you go to touch a plug in your house and you get zapped. That doesn't really happen in a van. It's all 12 volt, you know. So I think that's like a scary one for people to try to do their own electrical system and stuff. But they have no idea how to do electrical. Um, and we have, you know, 
all these schematics. And as I said, an engineer and a lot of people who have been doing this, you know, for a long time, um, and we work with like all the components that, you know, fit together perfectly and, um, complement each other in all parts of the electrical system. So, uh, I think that's a pretty big one, but also just like, I think people kind of underestimate the amount of time it takes to build a van. And so like, you know, we're asking these prices for these vans, but like, you know, I mean, you guys know how much time it took, you know, to build your van and, and you know, these vans were built are pretty freaking nice, you know? So it's like, it takes a lot of, a lot of work. So like, you know, <laughs> don't rack us on the price, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. go do it yourself and it might not come out the same way, you know? Um, it, it's kind of hard, you know, sometimes when that happens and I don't know, I had a lot of people, you know, comment on all my videos when I was posting a lot on, on solid, solid woodworks, YouTube and stuff. It's like, this guy's ridiculous. $20,000 for that. And like, Go do it yourself then and see what happens you know like it's yeah. it's not easy so um i think if people were to take something from like trying to do the diy build versus buying a van it's like you know you're gonna have you know everything work in the electrical system you know it's gonna be like done right you know that all the holes that are drilled are gonna be like you know painted with rust proof you know that all the windows are gonna be stuck on correctly you know everything's gonna be square the drawers are gonna pull out nicely like um everything's just gonna work you know to be go through everything and we've had zero to like one problem out of the seven vans we built like you know and that was just because they were kind of using it wrong you know it's like we also do like a walkthrough like you know like this is how you use this like don't slam it like this like this is not like your house like everything needs to be shut before you drive like you know this is it's actually pretty funny the other day we saw a van uh in oregon sideswipe a mustang trying to make a right-hand turn and it's a parked car and the van hit it because they just took they they didn't take the turn wide enough Mm -hmm. it's like maybe we should have a van you know driving you own and and drive and and have a van you know like watch you know your height like don't take turns the, the body roll like there's just a lot of things like that you know that's it's, it's a different vehicle than you know than your little suv yeah yeah I that's agree. like not a bad youtube video I, yeah, right? I was like you have my wheels <laughs> turning i'm like well i want to make this video now too but uh one thing that i said on previously on podcast if i was ever gonna buy a van from a from a, a van builder it would be somebody that i know that has been on the road Somebody that I feel like I could trust in the sense that they would build the van, uh, you know, structurally sound, as well as the fact that like I'd be able to live inside of it, whether it was on the weekend, whether it was, you know, traveling full time, that's the person I would buy from. And I, I looked at your prices. They're very fair considering, you know, uh, how much time it actually takes. Like we would sell our van for the same price that you're selling yours, basically, mm-hmm. you know, so it just goes to show the quality of work that you do when we saw your van personally as well. Like even when you opened up your drawer and you opened up the other drawer and you could see the all the charging electrical station, behind it. I Alex was like, like, Ooh, yeah. her eyes lit up. She was so excited. She's like, we're totally having one of those in the next one. And well, I get it. I totally understand why. Um, yeah. The price is the way it is. I do love the way that your van looked and I'm sure that you build quality stuff, you know, so we're excited to see more of the company evolve as well as when we make our way back up to California, come by and visit and maybe take one of your vans out ourselves too. Yeah. So really stand behind your product as well. Oh, it'd be awesome. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, that's it. I mean, you don't want anybody to come like, just like how I learned when I was building, you know, uh, stuff for my dad's like, you know, you don't want to build this whole, you don't want to spend six months on this job. And then like, all of a sudden you have to go back, you know, for 10 different little things, you know, for the next year, because you didn't do it right the first time, you know, or you didn't, you know, take that extra couple minutes. So that's what we're really trying to do in all these vans, you know, where everything is getting, you know, um, cut the right way and powder coated the right way. And, you know, all the finishing and everything's getting here properly, the right glue and the long, the right length screws, you know, and, and that's a lot of little things that DIY builders don't think about. Like I literally had a guy, he messaged me yesterday, like what length screw do I use when I try to install this? I'm like, 
well, you want to use something that's at least, you know, one and a half times the depth of this and this and that, you know, and there's just so many little things that, I mean, with all of our knowledge together, we're just like doing it all the right way. And, um, mm-hmm. and yeah, trying to make it, you know, feasible for everybody else. And all of our vans were able to offer like financing as well for the whole build. So it's like, you don't have to finance just the van. You can finance the van with the build in it, you know, um, which is pretty awesome, which I don't think too many companies offer as well. You know, so it's almost like financing a house. Like you find the house with everything in it, you know, like you don't have to buy the van and then pay 50 grand to get it converted. Like you can just do it all in one financing. Um, we've had a couple of people actually take out mortgages on their house to, to buy the van. Um, and then they just added it all together. So it was like, they kind of just bought a second house, you know, <laughs> with yeah. taking money out of their first house. So it's, it's pretty cool. And, um, a couple of vans that we've sold, we've built and sold for people. Uh, one of the really cool ones recently was a traveling nurse and, um, it was her and her husband and they're going to, you know, she's a traveling nurse. He works remotely and their dog. So we, you know, we had a middle space for the dog and gave him a dog bed with the purchase and everything. And, um, they're just going to use the van to take one to two week road trips to the next destination, you know, and, um, cool. we've got a lot of customers that just like, you know, really want to, you know, have something comfortable to, to take around, you know, and then another one with a family that had a couple kids. So we had a jump seat installed and we had an extra little kind of bed kind of, you know, set system set up. So, um, just, just really cool. Like it's really cool building vans because you're not, you're not like a mechanic where somebody comes to you and you know, you tell them like the bad news and you, Hey, you owe $2,000 because this broke You're somebody's coming to you and they, they, they're, you know, they're getting like something pretty awesome for what they pay for it. You know, at the end of it, you give it to them and they're like, they're very excited about it. You know, they're not mad about spending that amount of money. So it, it's pretty, mm-hmm. pretty awesome to, to see the customer light up at the end of the uh, transaction like that, for sure. Love that. love that. I love to see your passion. It's amazing. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast too, as well. We appreciate all your input and just getting to talk to somebody who actually builds these things for a living, because I think that's so wild. I know how hard it is to do from the fact that we've done it twice and I have nothing but respect for the people that are out there doing it and allowing other people to be able to live their dreams. The ones that can't actually do it themselves. Yeah, no, I appreciate it too, guys. And, um, glad I got to meet you. Glad that we got to have this little podcast. Maybe we do another one in a couple months, uh, wherever you guys are. Um, I'll be down in Nicaragua in November. I'm not sure if you're going to be down there around that time or not. So, um, you know, I you guys are on a pretty loose schedule, which, and, um, yeah, let me know if you have any, uh, questions about anywhere down there i've got a lot of pins on the map and a couple of friends that i can uh, shoot you towards their way and a, a lot of really good waves that i i found and surfed down there so i'm so stoked for you guys so jealous when i met you and i heard that you guys are driving down there because it was one of the best trips i've ever done as well nice oh yeah well, well thank you so it. much we're definitely going to stay in touch and you know hopefully we get to see you in nicaragua i think that would be insane that'd be awesome i'll be up in northern nicaragua the middle of november so if that lines up with your schedule um, we'll keep in contact and um, yeah, I'll get you in a couple barrels maybe. Sounds good. We had an amazing time talking with Brian here on the podcast. And I know we talk a lot about, you know, buying a van from a builder, which isn't always what we recommend. But the reason why we are recommending this van build company is because they've actually lived inside a van and know what you need. Yeah, I think it's really important that if you are looking to have your van built by somebody else that you go physically stand in vans that they've built move things around open cupboards open drawers find people who've already had their vans built by those people and actually talk to them because yeah, yeah i 100% agree because they'll give you the inside scoop of everything that's going on in the van whether or not they're a actual good builder and they're going to take care of you and i do believe that you know 
Brian is one of those people, and the people that they have he has backing him, working with him, sound all pretty amazing and like they know what they're doing. They all seem like adventure people too as well that have been living their life on the road for quite some time. Yeah, since we met up with Brian, we've been multiple times Frank's like, gosh, I wish we had a wet room inside the van. For sure, for sure. <laughs> and I, I will say too that, you know, it gives us a lot of ideas on what we might do in our next rig, you know, because at some point in time we're going to decide to sell the van that we're in at the moment and build something new because as you grow, as you go on, your needs kind of change and the things that you want to do change, you know, where we might have wanted to stay you know, just barely off the beaten path here in this van, you know, I think we're starting to come to a point where we really want to go way off the beaten path, you know. So at some point in time, we will be putting this van up for sale. So if you're looking and you're interested in something like that or our van, you know, let us know. It's probably not anytime soon. It might be like, you know, a year from now or so. But, uh, you know, just to give you an idea of what's going on. I think probably less than a year. Yeah. I'm thinking like... Spring of 2023. Just after the winter? Yeah. Yeah, something like that. I don't know. We'll see what happens. We have been taking great care of her, even though we've had some crazy situations occur. Olive has been a beast for us as oh, well. Oh, yeah. But yeah, I, I do think that there is a, a very good thing about getting a van built by a van builder is one you probably have some guaranteed opportunities to go get things replaced or fixed if anything breaks um as well as the fact that you're saving so much time and energy in the build process because alex and i took us four months to build this van but the things that you don't realize is how tedious everything is when things don't fit it could get frustrating not that we got mad at each other but we got mad at a lot of the different projects that we built inside here or frustrated in the moments yeah we always talk about like being positive and we were but there are just things that you can't undo when you're building the van sometimes you could undo it in the sense of woodwork but you can't undo it in the sense of your attitude always oh yeah that's totally fair i feel like Thinking back on it, I think that we, or I, went into this van build, I don't know, maybe with a, a, the wrong mindset or something like that. Like, I wanted to be on the road, and I was loving being on the road, and I wanted this van to be done as quickly as possible to be back on the road. So I don't think I was really trying to enjoy the build process. So, I don't know, I'm thinking that when we go into the next van build, that my whole mindset around the whole thing is going to be different. And, like, if things take time, they take time. And also, you got to realize that Frankie and I, at this point, like, our whole job was basically to build this van. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like we were going to a 40-hour-a-week job and then also building a van like we did the first time, which was, you know, a whole stressful thing in itself. The second time around, our whole job was to build this van and film it and make videos about it. Well, and I think that's where we had the issue, too, is that we both wanted to be back on the road so fast that trying to film, edit, and do all those things actually pushed that time back quite a bit as well as it made it less enjoyable, you know, because we were pressing to finish things uh, very quickly instead of really enjoying the process and taking our time to get back on the road. Yeah, so, you know, everything in life is, you know, hindsight 2020, but hopefully we can take those lessons that we learned from the last build and carry them forward. 
you know, third builds the charm, right? So. Third builds the charm, and especially after you got done talking to a master carpenter, you know, you kind of get some better ideas yeah. of what you might do. Maybe we just show up at Brian's shop and be like, hey, we need cupboards. Because <laughs> if you watched our video about redoing our kitchen, we're very bad at hinges. Yeah, yeah. We, <laughs> we're not great, that's for sure. But I think after that learning experience, I'm definitely much better at it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyways, we love you guys so much. Thank you for listening to the show. We always appreciate you leaving five-star reviews. Still haven't got one yet. I know you guys are out there. I know you're listening. Take two seconds. Drop that five-star review. It super helps the channel grow. Yes, it does. And uh, we... Hope that you enjoyed this podcast, and if you need any information, it will be in the description below, whether you want information about Brian, or you want to come check out the YouTube channel, or Instagram, or TikTok, or whatever it is that you're interested in, uh, we are here for you, so just send us a message, and we got you. If there's anything that you want to hear more about in the podcast, just let us know, because we want to cater to you guys. We want you guys to feel like this is your podcast, uh, because technically it is. Yeah, so no matter what you're doing, make it an F&A day. Make sure you subscribe to their YouTube channel, FNA Van Life. All right, all that.